Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is teaching us that all life is interconnected. And also um, spirituality and ancient wisdom has been teaching us this truth for eons. So what you do to another person you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is a conversation with Neil Donald Walsh. Neil is the author of the well-known book series, Conversations with God, and he just recently released the new book, Conversations with God, Book 4, Awaken the Species. Welcome, Neil, to Awake to Oneness Radio. I am so honored to have you. I am very familiar with you and your work. Um, I recently, the last few weeks, got to meet you on Zoom, I'll say video conference, um, the last few weeks because I am now working with Humanities Team, is the um, foundation that you founded about 15 years ago. And I've been with them now for a year and I love working with Humanities Team. It's an amazing organization. But let I know many listeners are very familiar with you, like I am. Um, but there are a few, a handful that may not be. So can you please share your journey, your, your story with our listeners? Well, I'd be happy to. Caroline, thank you for asking me to. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. All right, wonderful. Caroline, um, my journey, as you put it, and it, it's a good word to use because it has been a journey, really began for me... Um, <laughs> many years ago, uh, I mean, 40 years ago, when I began to realize that my life as I was living it, while it was full and it, it felt uh, successful in many ways, in ways of the world, mm-hmm. it did not bring me a sense of inner peace and inner satisfaction. Uh, it, it felt like I was always experiencing uh, inner uh, emotional turmoil or at, at the very least a, a, a level of dissatisfaction, thinking that there must be something more, there must be something greater. But I didn't know what it was. And I, I searched, I began searching for it. When I turned um, 45, 48, in those last five years of my 40s, um, I really began to feel that frustration at a very high level. And then something quite extraordinary happened. I had an automobile accident in which I broke my neck. And it wasn't a small hairline fracture. It was a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seventh cervical vertebrae posteriorly. In other words, it was a fracture large enough to put a pen or a pencil through. It was a very large fracture. And uh, the doctors told me, you know, really 95% of the people who have that kind of a neck fracture die instantly because it involves a, a severing of the spinal cord, and that's the end of your life. Uh, those who don't die are, are almost always paralyzed from the neck down. And neither of those things happened to me. And the doctor said that I was a walking miracle. That how could I have escaped that kind of an injury, a snap neck, and walk literally walk away from it? 
So, of course, I was in therapy for two years, but I was not, neither dead nor paralyzed. So I'll take the third alternative. But during that, during that two years of therapy, and I was in therapy daily for about six or eight months, then twice a week, three times a week, then every other day and so forth. But it, it took two whole years before I was finally finished with the uh, therapeutic intervention. The therapy, of course, was meant to help me get my range of motion back because I couldn't move my head at all. And I had my head in a, I had my neck in a, what they call a Philadelphia collar. It was a, a therapeutic device to hold up my head because they told me that without that collar, it would be like trying to balance a basketball on the head of a pin. That, that, mm -hmm. That's all they had holding up my head. I'm telling you this, the details of this story for a reason. Yes. So that you can understand that uh, the amount of desperation I was feeling. I had lost all ability to work. I couldn't go to work. I was told I wasn't even, to, I wasn't even allowed to do so much as reach out and grab a, a half gallon of milk out of the refrigerator. Too heavy for me, to, too much strain on my neck. So I, I was virtually immobile. And I was immobilized with this device that I was never allowed to take off, by the way. Not while I slept and not even while I showered. It was made out of plastic. So I was, I was to keep it on 24 hours a day, which I did for two years. At the end of that two-year period, I finally healed enough to get a little part-time job uh, in, in, in radio where I had worked prior in the earlier part of my life. And, and, and I thought, well, maybe I can make, maybe this was a, a good thing that the second half or the second, at, last, at least the last third of my life would be a little bit more integrated and have more meaning mm -hmm. uh, when you go, go through an experience like that. I should explain that because I couldn't work and couldn't earn an income, I had to live on the street. That is, I lived on the sidewalk. I was a street person for two weeks shy of one year. So for 50 weeks, I was living outside, uh, in a, in a, uh, ultimately in a tent at a campground. But the tent was my only uh, protection from the weather. And I had a sleeping bag, and that was it. Two pair of jeans, three shirts, one pair of shoes. And that was really the sum total of my worldly possessions. I had no income whatsoever. I had fallen through the cracks of the social welfare system. I had run out of my food stamp allocation. I simply had no way to stay alive. So I wound up um, panhandling on the streets, asking people for uh, a little loose change that they might have collected. Then I finally got a little part-time job at a radio station. Uh, in a little town called Medford, Oregon, which is where I where I live, mm -hmm. just outside of Medford, in a smaller city called Ashland, and I got a little job at a radio station there, a weekend job, and I was good at what I did. I was I had been in broadcasting for twenty five years, so I knew the ropes, I knew the game, so I would I got I was promoted immediately. They asked me if I wanted to work full time because they lost one of their full time announcers, and said, would, would I like to take that job? Of course, I took it. And inside of three months, they made me actually the, the program director of the radio. Oh. I had had years and years and years of experience yeah. in broadcasting. Mm -hmm. Now, here I was, three months after getting off the street, and I'm the program director of this radio station. I wasn't earning a great deal of money because it was a small town radio station, but I was earning enough to, to stay alive at least. Yes. And so I had turned my life around. Now, Caroline, that's when desperation really struck because here was my experience having come back off the street found a little home a little cottage in the back of somebody's yard they had a little cottage in the back kind of a grandmother apartment and i took that little cottage and i was back into the swing of things and i realized is this it i'm working 12 and sometimes 13 14 hours a day i'm back into the daily grind scraping together enough money to pay my little rent and put some groceries in the refrigerator. Is, is, is this it at 52? I'm, I'm back into this circus. Somebody, you know, like Peggy Lee said in her song, send in the clowns mm -hmm. because this must be some kind of a joke. This can't be what life is about. And it was then that I woke up in the middle of the night around four or five months after I got off the street I threw back the covers. It was 4.23 in the morning. I recall these, this event vividly, of course. Mm 
And I, and I walked out into the small little larger part of the cottage, which they laughingly called a living room. But it was just where, where the couch was and a couple of chairs. And I sat there on the couch and I thought, what does it take to make life work? How did I get, I've, I've got a lot of talent. I've got a lot of smarts. I've got a lot of, you know, uh, creativity and I'm incredibly good looking, you know. Yes, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> with, all, with all this, all this going for me, how can I? How in the world can I be here at fifty-two? Surely, there's something I don't understand about life and how it works. The understanding of which would change everything. And I called out to God that night in the middle of the night. In fact, I found a yellow legal pad mm -hmm. on the coffee table in front of me that I've been taking some notes on about something. And I, I, I turned the page over and I began writing a very angry letter to God. What does it take to make life work? And what have I done to deserve a life of such continuing, unending struggle? And I recall calling out to God, Caroline, in the middle of the night, somebody just tell me the rules. I'll play. I promise I'll play. Just tell me the rules. How does the game go? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. And I heard a voice. Wow. On my right shoulder. And it was uh, as clear as anything you could imagine. And the voice said to me, Neil, do you really want answers to all of these questions? Or are you just venting? Of course, I turned around, there was nobody there. And I thought, great, now I'm losing my mind. <laughs> on top of everything else right right but you know what caroline at the same time i felt uncommonly uh, um, peaceful uh, almost to the point where where i felt almost tearful yeah. Yeah, tearful with joy have you ever had a, mo a moment in your life when you were so happy that you actually cried oh yes Mm -hmm. That, 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 that uh, tears of joy, I, I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, and then I didn't know why I was crying. I just knew that I felt totally filled with peace and comfort and love. I felt, never felt so loved in my life. So I began writing on my yellow legal pad questions. I thought, you know, well, it, I was invited to ask questions. Why not? And I began, yes. asking, I began asking those questions and I received answers to the questions I was asking. And I, I scribbled down the answers that I was hearing. Now the voice moved from over my shoulder inside my head and it felt like a voiceless voice, almost like the voice of your own thoughts. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, but, but they weren't thoughts I ever had. They were not uh, offering me ideas I ever had before. They were just, they were just, uh, it's just concepts and, and, uh, and ideas I'd never dreamt of before. So I was taking them down, like taking dictation. It felt very much like taking dictation. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that uh, for several hours from 4.30 until about 9.30 or 10.30 in the morning. It was a Saturday morning, as I remember. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go to work. And I was sitting there all morning long writing all of this down <clears throat> until around 9.30 in the morning. And I realized I had dozens and dozens of pages of handwritten question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. And that was the beginning of what became conversations with God. And I want to uh, share with, with uh, your wonderful audience the fact that I did not sit down to write a book. This, was, this became a process of journaling. Every morning at 423 for the next several months, I found myself being awakened again at around 415 or 420 or 425 in the morning. And I would rush to my yellow legal pad and return to my process because it was, Caroline, it was healing me, mm -hmm. bringing peace, yes. joy, and comfort to my life. And I was feeling totally healed, but I'd never dreamt. In a million years, I never dreamt that anyone would see this stuff. This was just personal journaling, yes. like a personal diary. But then somewhere in the, in the dialogue, Caroline, it said to me, this will one day become a book. And I thought, I got gotcha. you. Now I got gotcha. you. Because that was measurable. Everything else I was receiving was conceptual, theoretical, mystical. But this was a, a, a measurable statement. This will one day become a book. 
either it would or it wouldn't, right. but I could measure the outcome. Yes. So I thought, now I will know whether this uh, is true, whether, what's, whether what I imagine is happening is really happening or not, because I was a man of the world. I'd been in the media. I'd been in the radio and right. television. I understood perfectly well that right. uh, publishers were not about to publish a book from an unheard of, unpublished author who claims to be talking to God. Yeah. 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 So I thought, you know right. what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge God or challenge whatever's happening here. And I'm going to wrap this up and send it to a publisher and dare him to publish it. And I called it Conversations with God because that's exactly how I experienced it. Right. Mm. And the rest is, as they say, is publishing history. Yes. They accepted yes. the book for publication. They accepted what became the book, I should say. They, they, you know, they, they took all these... Uh, notes that I gathered and had them printed and had them uh, published in this first book. Uh, and they rushed it, by the way. I should say they actually rushed it to print. They printed it in a very short period. Most books take around six to eight months at least, if not longer, to go from, you know, from receiving it to on the bookshelf. This, this took about three months for the entire process. Wow. They, rushed it, they rushed it to print, and within seven weeks of its being published, it was on the New York Times bestseller list. Oh my goodness. Where it stayed for two and a half years, for two and a half conse- years of consecutive weeks, never leaving the New York Times bestseller list. Pretty soon, after about two and a half years, I received a plaque in the mail. It said, from your friends at the publishing house, from your friends at Putnam Publishing, commemorating one million copies having been sold. Oh my like goodness. Someone said to me that I would sell a million. Co- you know, to an author, that's like a, a, a recording artist having a gold record or right. a silver record for having sold a million copies of a song. This yes. was a million copies of a nonfiction book. Very, very difficult to do in the publishing business. And um, so I realized, oh, wow, something extraordinary has occurred here. The book wound up being uh, translated into 37 languages and it was sold around the world. And the rest, I say, is publishing history. Yes, yes. And, and even though the newest book is called Book Four, but it's not the fourth book. <laughs> you have, <laughs> it's the fourth book to be titled Conversations, Conversations with God. God. Okay, there, yes. There are four books in the Conversations with God series. I've written other books, Friendship with God, Communion with God, The New Revelations. But it's the fourth book that carried the title Conversations with God. I it's see. That particular series, it's book number four, but it has a subtitle, Awaken the Species. Yes. I was invited to embrace a third invitation. Uh, in the first book, I received an invitation that I was asked to pass along, not just for me, pass this invitation along to the rest of humanity. And the invitation was to change the world's mind about God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, and I, th- I thought, you know, wow, what an invitation. Change the world's mind about God. The second invitation I received was give people back to themselves. And when I asked God, what does that mean? She said, it means to return them to their awareness of their true identity. Literally give them back to themselves and invite others to do so as well. But I really thought that was the end of the dialogue. I, I never thought there'd be another dialogue titled Conversations with God, I, I, I didn't lose touch with this uh, experience, but I, I hadn't received any book-length right. conversations. But then on the ninth, uh, I mean on the second, on the second day of August of, uh, 19, of, of 2016, just this last August, um, I was awakened in the middle of the night with the same feeling that I had that first night at 4.23 in the morning, that something wanted to come through. And I said, right in the, I jumped out of bed, of course, went right to the keyboard. I said, right in the keyboard, I was typing in the words, I thought I was done with this. I, th- I thought there would be no more book length exchanges. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had already accepted the first two invitations. I've done my best with that. Okay. God said, there's a third invitation. A third invitation? Change the world's mind about God. Give people back to themselves. What's the third invitation? And God said, Awaken the species. Neil, awaken the species and invite everyone else 
to do the same. Invite everyone who comes to this material, everyone who reads this dialogue, and those who hear about it to use their life as the mechanism by which our species can finally awaken from its long slumber, from its long period of unknowing. So uh, that's, uh, that's the uh, third invitation, and that's book number four. Uh, and uh, the book also tells us how we can do that. Wow. Wonderful. So I'm Amazing. sorry to go on and on. And on. I, I, no, I no, 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 please. It, I am, ah, it's just to hear the, you know, I, I, like I said, I've, I've know, know of your work. I've been, I've read book one, two, three, Home with God, and now definitely have to read book four. So I am very familiar, but to hear it from you, it's just like, it's all new to me now. <laughs> Because it's so amazing. It's so amazing. I never dreamt, Caroline, I couldn't have dreamt in a thousand years that, that my life would have taken that kind of a turn. Uh, it's become, of course, my life work now for the past 22 years. Yes. And it's moved me right into my 70s, whereas I really thought by this time I'd be retired and sitting at home watching soap operas on television. <laughs> it turns out that I'm, you know, that I'm just traveling the world. Yes, yes. Uh, and and um, continuing this work uh, across the globe. Yes, and it's it's worth it's work that is needed, especially in this day and age. Just like you said, um, spirit kind of woke me up too in the middle of the night. It was one. It's around one thirty. So spirit woke me up at a little bit earlier time than four in the morning, but told me to start the show. You know, and it, and I didn't argue. I knew. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about starting an internet radio show. And Spirit gave me the title, Awake to Oneness, because it was my awakening to oneness that, for me, everything made sense when I understood that all there is is God, and, and we're all a part of God, so, and we're all a part of each other. To me, it's like, I get it. Now, the, yeah, I want to help awaken the rest of the world to that simple truth. Because I think that's step one to awakening is knowing that we're all one. Then, and, and once we're all one, there will be peace. Because, you know, if you do something to another person, you're only doing it to yourself. So it's like, okay. And, and I, I accepted the, the, the challenge when spirits said do it. I said yes. And, and this is so, so wonderful. Please tell us more about the, the book four, though. Tell us, uh, Awaken the Species. Uh, so tell us a little bit more on how God tells us to do that. Well, um, first of all, something astonishing was said in book four. <clears throat> I, I was told that we don't have to do this by ourselves. That is, the human race, excuse me, <clears throat> the human race is not alone in this undertaking. And so we shouldn't feel that we're all alone having to do this. Uh, I was told that we're being given assistance mm, okay. uh, on a regular basis by highly evolved beings from off of this planet. That is, highly evolved beings that exist in another dimension uh, in the cosmos and that they are assisting humanity um, both uh, metaphysically and even in some cases physically by um, embodying human form here on the earth and walking among us. Uh, rarely, very rarely, I was told, you know, every, every several thousand years perhaps, a highly evolved being takes human form from birth to death. Mm. Uh, in order to model the messages uh, that highly evolved beings are sending to us about what it means to be an awakened species. So that's one of the most interesting pieces of information uh, that I was given in, in, in this book. Uh, and um, I was then told the differences between how an awakened species behaves as opposed to how uh, human beings in an unawakened state uh, live their lives. So I was given, um, I was given that comparison. I was given actually a list mm -hmm. of 16, 16 differences 
between highly evolved beings and human beings who are uh, behaving in an unawakened state. Mm -hmm. Then I was given a list of seven ways to integrate those uh, higher behaviors into our everyday life, ways that we could make that um, part of our daily experience of ourselves, our daily expression of who we are. So um, the, and, and I, was also, I was also given a list of five ways to know uh, if you are behaving as an awakened being. Mm -hmm. well, uh, one of the most important messages of the book was this. God said to me, you know what? You're already awakened. You simply are not behaving that way. And, 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 and what you need to know, I said, you, you simply don't know that you're awake. I said to God, how can I be awake and not know that I'm awake? God said, oh, it's really very simple. Have you never, have you never had a, heard a, a sound, a bump or a thump in the middle of the night and thought it was part of your dream, only to then suddenly realize, oh, no, wait a minute. I'm actually awake. That wasn't my dream. I, I'm actually awake. Right. I thought I was dreaming. But I was not dreaming. I'm actually awake. God said, have you ever had an experience like that? I said, of course, of course. Oh, most people have had that experience. Yes. God, God said, there you are. Okay. So okay. What you're, you're, right now you're, you're awake, but you don't know it. So you think that you're living in this dream. You, you think that you're living in this nightmare. You think that you're living in this, in this experience that's, that's, that's not in your awakened state. But in fact... If you decide to act as if you are fully awake, uh, you'll see your life change virtually overnight. So I, I asked God, well, what does that look like? That's when he gave me that list of 16 behaviors. Okay. And, and that's when I was given uh, all those other tools that I mentioned, which is way too much to go into here. It, right, right. Program, right. But, but it's very specific, and it gives some very specific guidelines and how we can get from where we are to where we want to be. And that's basically the message of the book. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> oh, now, I know we can't go into all of them. Can you give us a few of the 16, like maybe just a few, like one or two important of the 16? Well, I, I can give you the single most important one, what I consider okay. to be the most important. Okay. The most important difference between, well, there are, really there are several that are really important. Uh, the, the major difference between highly evolved beings and, and us is that uh, highly evolved beings are never for any reason whatsoever violent. They do not use violence, not just physical violence, but verbal or emotional violence. They simply don't ever utilize verbal, physical, or emotional violence as a, as a tool to get what they want, as a means of communication as an emotional expression it simply never happens okay. so and and for the very reason that you gave earlier mm -hmm. the very reason that you announced because highly evolved beings understand that there is only one of them yes. that that they are simply aspects and facets of the same diamond yes. and that what you do to another you do to yourself what you fail to do for another you fail to do for yourself yes. so for that reason it would never occur to them to be even verbally violent much less physically violent to each yes. other. But, but to give you um, an interesting, more, more down-to-earth, functional kind of a difference, uh, the one that struck me deeply was this. God said, highly evolved beings see what is so, and they do what works. Whereas human beings see what is so, but nevertheless, having seen it, they do what does not work. Mm. And I said, give me an example. What are you talking about? Yeah. She said, well, I'll give, you the, I'll, I'll give you a very simple example. You can see that what's so is that if you, if you want your children to grow up without any violent tendencies, uh, it does not work. It does not work to place them in front of television sets, video screens, video games, much less huge screens in motion picture theaters where all they're seeing is violence. Even cartoons where the cartoon characters are bonking each other on the head as a means of you know, getting through their frustrations. Even, and they call that comedy. They call that a comedy. Uh, yeah, it's so, so, so true. That's so, so true. 
But God said, you know, we, we can see now more than ever, you see 13-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, even six-year-olds using now, they find daddy's gun and they get mad and they go in the other room and shoot their mother. And we, 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 we read these horrific stories on the internet and we go, oh my God. Uh-huh. But, but, but what we can't say, we can't say, where would they get such an idea? Because uh-huh. you've given them the idea. We've actually taken them into the theaters. God says, you know, you want to know what hypocrisy is? Here's hypocrisy. If you take a small child into a motion picture and you see a sexual experience, a sexual expression of human love and human passion, you cover their eyes, look, look, we, and you get the child out of there as fast as you can. But if you see a war scene where there's hand grenades and blowing people up and, 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 and bodies are flying all apart and there's blood all over the screen, isn't this a great movie, son? Wow, did you like it? What a great film. So true. It's so true. Expressions yes. of human love and human comp- and human passion are are censored from the child's eyes. Don't look at that. You shouldn't see that. But if it's about violence and body parts flying all over the screen, we sit there and tell the child what a, what an exciting film that was. So, so the child gets the gets the direct message from the parent that this is an approved of behavior. Yes. So so you know that's one example. Yes. I'll give you another example. We understand perfectly well. We know from our uh, data and from all the uh, facts that, we, that are laid before us that smoking doesn't work if you want to live a long and healthy life. We know that. Yes. It's not something we don't know. So high-evolved beings see what is so and they do what works. That is, they don't smoke. Right. And, we, and we see what's so, then... <laughs> so true so true we know that if we over imbibe with you know with red meat at every single meal morning for you know sausage with breakfast and hamburgers for lunch and steak for dinner you know every day of the week and and, and for that matter drink certain liquids i know that you think this is water but actually it's gin <laughs> and i I have a, a couple of glasses of this yeah. every evening and most mornings as well. All <laughs> that doesn't work. We clearly see that it doesn't work and we do it anyway. This is so, so true. I can give you a list of 14 of those behaviors. This is, I'm just giving you two or three obvious ones. Right. So what, what God was saying to us, you know what? Highly evolved beings, they see what is so and they do what works. Human beings see what is so and do exactly the opposite. You are a self-destructive species. Cut it out. Yes. Stop it. So, so true. Oh, my goodness. It's so true. And to say nothing of the proliferation of weapons. How many times do we have to open our, 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 our computer in the morning and see a story in the headline of somebody who shot somebody else for no reason? No, I mean, not a, a life-ending reason. But now we've dis- decided that, you know what? We should, we, now we have a, a political system that, that's starting to turn around from what it used to be. And not only do we not want to prohibit guns in schools, we now want to require schools to allow guns to be brought in and, and carried by security guards. And we can, no mm. long, we can no longer ban weapons on college campuses. The gun lobby has won the day. And you know we're supposed to be able to, after all, because we're Americans and we carry a sidearm. I mean, it was like the old West. Oh my goodness! Very clear that none of this works, but we do it anyway. anyway. I mean, like, excuse me, but stop it! Yeah, really, truly, <laughs> it's so true. And it's and like you said, it's 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 a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Yes. But we, yeah, but we do it anyway. We yes. End violence by using violence. To end anger by using anger. We, we, you know, Einstein made it very clear. You can't solve a problem using the same energy that created it. We know this, yes. but we're doing it anyway. anyway. So, so true. So the question becomes, 
how to stop the insanity. You know what the definition of insanity, of course, everyone knows the definition. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get a different result. Hello? Yes. Yes. Uh, so true, Neil. Oh my goodness. And it's so refreshing because it, it's, it is so, I mean, everything you're saying is a no brainer. Who can argue with it? But they, we still do it, you know? Well, yeah. There's a, there's a reason why, Caroline, to, to give humanity a little bit of a break. Let's understand something. We are the infants, not even the children, but really the infants of the universe. Mm -hmm. let, let me give you an, 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 uh, an illustration of what I'm saying. If you took the earth, the age, the age of this planet, mm -hmm. and overlaid it on top of a calendar year, just so we could kind of hold it in our mind, how long we've been here. So you take the age of the earth and yes. put it on a calendar year that, that when the earth first, first was created, when it first arose, would be January 1st. And today <laughs> would be the 31st of January. Well, you know, a year later, if, if you use that as a scale, yes. the first form of human life, the first single cell, uh, elementary form of life, I shouldn't say human life, of any kind of life, the first single cell of life didn't appear until the end of February. More sophisticated life forms, fishes in the sea, birds in the sky, didn't appear until the end of November. Dinosaurs didn't appear on that scale until the 12th of December. Dinosaurs did not disappear from the earth on that scale until December 25th. Humanoids, not human beings, but humanoids, that is, mammals that walked on two legs and dragged their knuckles on the ground, they didn't appear until December the 29th. Human beings, as we know them today, didn't appear until December 31st. And the entirety of human history mm -hmm. took place in the last... 60 seconds of the year. Okay. That's how young we are in relationship to the age of just this planet. Forget about the cosmos. Right. Okay. Compared to the age of the cosmos, we're not even one millisecond long, not even one nanosecond. A nanosecond, by the way, is one millionth of a second. We're not even that old. So to give us a break, we're acting like babies like infants <laughs> because that's what we are okay yes and and, and that at least helps us to understand yes. why would we why would we know this stuff and continue to do it anyway however while that helps us to understand it yes. it should excuse it now it's time for us to awaken to who we really are fortunately the process of growth is exponential it's not a one, two, three, four, five process. It's a two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two process. That is the rollover, the foldover is exponential. And we, we don't need millions and millions of years to get to where we need to be. It can happen in a very short period of time. We're seeing that now with, with, with human technology. Our yes. technology, even what we're doing right now. Yes, yes. During the experience of doing this two-way video. Yes. It would not have been possible even eight or nine or 10 years ago, yes. much less when I was a kid. I mean, yes. for somebody as old as me, this is pure science fiction. Yes, yes. This is science fiction. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so, so, so. Yes, yes. So we're, we're making, I bring that up to indicate to our audience that there is hope. We can arise out of our infant behaviors. All we need are some models, people who are willing to self-select, to choose themselves to model their own highest thought about what it means to be human and what it means to be divine and what it means to be both at once. We've had some models like that walking the planet. A few we know of whose lives have been so extraordinary that we remember them thousands of years later, Buddha and others like that. We remember their lives to this day. The question is, what would it take for us to be willing to step into that? One of the first things we'd have to do, Caroline, is 
let go of all of our teachings from our ancestors. I had, I had wonderful parents. I had a wonderful mother and a wonderful father. But even my father taught me things that it took me 30 years to unlearn. <laughs> I had to unlearn what, what my father... <laughs> I have to show. Now, you said the word unlearn. I don't know if you can read my shirt, but it says listen and unlearn. That's what the shirt, yes. It says, I don't know if you guys can see it. Listen and unlearn. And I, I, I actually got it from Agape, Agape Revelations 2015. But the theme was listen and unlearn. Yes. <laughs> so I just... <laughs> You know, because my father yes. taught me stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that you need to hear. When I was a child, my father taught me that, I mean, my father, he didn't teach me, he didn't sit down and say these things to me directly. Right. He taught me by his example, yes. by sharing his thoughts. You know? So I, I, what I got was that women are not as smart as men. Okay. <laughs> You know, they have their place, they have their place in society, but they, they can't be leaders, they can't be like presidents, they can't, they, they can't be, you know, they're, they're not as smart as men. Um, and um, Jews are, are not trustworthy. Oh my goodness. And, yeah. and, and I, remember that, I remember that when I was a child, I was walking through uh, uh, the zoo with my dad, had taken us to the zoo, and I had some cotton candy, and I dropped the cotton candy uh, on the ground and and i i was all so sad because it was all full of dirt and my dad said don't worry there's more where that came from and he got me some more immediately that was one of the positive things that he taught me he taught me in, in, a, a very positive thing there's more where that came from don't cry but you know what's sad in the next moment moments after he got me that new cotton candy he taught me something that was not very positive. I was walking down the street, walking down the pathway, I mean, at the, at the park, at the zoo. Yeah. And I was so excited I had my cotton candy after all. And I made sure I wouldn't drop it this time. And a man was coming down the pathway toward us. He happened to be a black man. And I walked up to him. He was smiling at me because he saw how happy I was. And I was smiling back at him. And I said, hi, hey, mister, would you like some of my cotton candy? And my dad pulled me away from that man. Pulled me, jerked me away. And he whispered in my ear, that's trash. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it takes a lifetime. Yeah. You have, to, you have to call your father wrong. See, a great spiritual mentor of mine once said to me, look to see who you'd have to make wrong in order to get it right. Yes. Who would you have to make wrong? So finally, when I was about 50, 45, 45 years old, I finally got, you know what? There are some women who are just as smart as I am. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to believe, but there <laughs> are some women who are even smarter than I am. And there are some Jews who you can trust with your life. And there are some black people who are so wonderful so extraordinary stop it stop it yes so i had to i had to throw out so much of what i had learned not that my father was a mean person he wasn't right. but he was given you know, what they have to understand he was given what he was told exactly what they were told what they were told it's just an endless endless. so but it's time now caroline it's time yes it's time for us to awaken yes. it's time for us to move to the next expression of who we really are. And it's not like this is the first time we've heard this. The, the great spiritual masters of all time have been telling us this for thousands of years. Yes. This yes. is not new age stuff. This is... Exactly. It's very true, yes. This is so true. It's so true, yes, yes. Eons, eons. Ancient wisdom has been teaching us this for eons. And now science is teaching us this. Yes, that's the amazing thing. That's what woke me up with science. Yes. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe now we'll believe from science what we could not believe from God. Isn't that an irony? Yes. <laughs> well, actually, I see how, how spirituality and science are saying the exact same thing now. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're saying the same thing. 
so that that that's what you know it was i've i studied me metaphysics off and on since the 70s but I, I what woke me up to oneness was quantum physics when quantum physics talked about everything being interconnected and i'm like i get it and when i understood oneness it just everything made sense to me yeah. you know it was just very clear to me well yes. let's tell the rest of the world we, we, yes you know, let's just continue the process because we you know this is our time by the way i happen to think that that's why we came at this particular time i don't think that you and i and others who think like us are here by accident this is not a coincidence i think we came at this particular juncture in our evolutionary process so that we might in fact assist in advancing that evolutionary process by awakening the species this is our so self-assigned self mission if you please yes so i i, I could be wrong about that but uh, no you're not wrong i i know in my heart that you know my show awake to oneness and and that came direct to me from spirit keep you know i wanted the show the 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 mission of the show to be in the title so yeah, yeah. and and i know that's my mission and that's why i've aligned with humanity's team same mission so it's just it's so yes and i say yes that is my mission um what was the the old uh, tv show with um star trek well was it star trek i don't know the one where you, do you accept your mission and maybe maybe your, it was your mission impossible mission impossible okay see your, 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 your mission should you choose to accept it? So, yes, and I ch I choose to accept it. <laughs> and I the mission to me is not impossible. You're exactly right. We there are no accidents. We're here in alignment to do this work at this time. It's so crucial, and I I believe the work is getting done. It's getting done. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and since we're on that topic, uh, Caroline, let me share something with you. It's, I always tell my audiences, it's very dangerous if we think that we have to somehow save the world. Right. Uh, people, people could throw up their hands and say, wait a minute, as wonderful as this all sounds, even a bunch of us, even a couple hundred of us, even a couple of thousands of us are not going to change the world. So, and I, I want to say, I agree with you. If you think that how you're going to do it is by going out there and trying to change the world. You know, if you can just give enough speeches or write enough books or do enough uh, television programs like you're doing or whatever, if we can somehow do enough, then we're going to change the world. That's not going to do it. So I agree with you. Right. So what, what Conversations with God made it very clear to me, and this last book, book four, has made it crystal clear, is that the way that everything will change on this planet, the way that people will awaken, is not by us going out there and trying to proselytize or trying to evangelize or somehow change people's mind about things. Rather, how it will happen is, is when each individual sees their own challenge as rising their own ex, uh, personhood, their own individual it, is to raise their own consciousness to such a level that they become a living, breathing, walking demonstration of what it means to be divine when we choose to be a to, to use our own lives as a model of divinity or as close as we can get we're all human but as close as we can get to it yes. by that device by modeling the behavior not telling other people that they have to change but by us changing into that you know gandhi of course put it perfectly be the change you wish to see so if we took gandhi's advice and suddenly millions and millions of people uh, took God up on it yes. and decided to walk through the world in that particular way, pretty soon the first domino would fall. It doesn't take long for us. It would not take long for us to say, you know what? She knows something that I don't know. She's acting in a way that I really admire, that I really uh, want to emulate, that I really could think could be beneficial to me. I'm going to be more like her. I'm going to be more like him. Yeah. And we start imitating those around us who we most admire. And it's by that device, by simply paying attention to ourselves, how am I being? What am I thinking? What am I saying? What am I projecting? How am I loving? How am I expressing? 
divinity in me, through me, as me. If I choose to pay attention to that and put all my focus on that, then I will no doubt impact the lives of others without trying, without making that the point of it, but just as a secondary, as a second and third level outcome of the transformation of the individual self. So I have been saying to people all over the world, pay attention to this and others will pay attention and they will then shift their notion of who they really are. That's what all great spiritual teachers have ever done. Yes, that's so true. It's something you said or something I read in Conversations with God. You said when you focus on just doing, you end up with a bunch of doo-doo. It's focusing on being. And then like you said, the first it, it begins with being and 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 being that oneness, being living your truth, being it authentically. And then others will see that. But that's all one needs to really do is to be it. And it, it's not about the doing, it's about the being. And that I, I remember, I know I heard you say it, I can't remember where, because I've heard, I've read your books and I, I've listened to you many times. But I think I heard, i never forget when you said, uh, when you focus on just the doing, 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 you just end up with a pile of doo-doo. So that, that I got from you. <laughs> yeah, and it's true. My, yes. my own life is testimony to that. I spent the first 45 years of my life in exactly that place. Doing this and doing that, doing this and doing that. And, and, you know, and it got me nowhere. At 50 years old, half a century on the planet, and I woke up after half a century, this is all I have to show for it? A bunch of broken hearts behind me? A bunch of broken promises, both to others and to myself? This is it? No, there's, there's got to be more, more going on here than meets the eye. Or as, as Shakespeare so wonderfully put it, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Oh, my goodness. This is just, ah, now I could just go on and on. I, I don't want to let you go. <laughs> I love you so much. And this has been so, so amazing. Um, now we did now before we go though, um, we touched upon the differences between the awakened person, like the, 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 the most important, um, thing of telling the difference between a person that's awake and asleep. But then you said that in the new book, it also talks about things we can, tools we can use to help us to, um, to, to awaken to be that person that we we we're aspiring to be so can you share a tool that we can use something of that yeah. nature I'd, I'd be happy to uh, i'm going to give you actually two or three okay one one tool is never again have another negative thought or at least never entertain it for more than a moment or as they say don't give it a second thought exactly. don't give it a second thought if some negative idea, negative thought enters your mind, don't give it a second thought. Get it out of there and, and change your mind immediately. Whatever it is, whether it's a thought about the weather or whether it's a, a thought about another person, a thought about your own future and your future prospects, whatever, whatever it might be. If you find yourself entertaining a negative emotion or a negative thought, just drop it. You have the power. Yes. You actually have the ability to do that. Most people think that emotions are, happen are things that are happening to them, but emotions are things that are happening through them that they're deciding to allow to be expressed and to continue to be expressed. Even if it's true, even if it's, to be fair, even if it's true that an emotion might overcome us, we don't have to entertain it and allow it to stay there for more than a moment. We can say, you know what? I don't want that. And so one tool... Uh, that I encourage people to use is to step aside from any negative uh, emotion or feeling or thought that they may briefly entertain. Another um, powerful tool uh, that I was given by God is the tool of gratitude. God said that gratitude is one of the most powerful tools uh, that, 
we could ever have been given. And what, how that works is to be grateful for every single thing that has occurred, that is occurring now, and that ever will occur. Because gratitude is, um, first of all, it's transformative. It's hard, to, it's hard to stay angry or stay upset or to stay frustrated or to stay in a negative space. It's hard even to stay fearful uh, if we are living in gratitude because gratitude is transformative. It changes our whole interior environment and the interior emotional landscape, if I could put it that way, of every human being. But you could ask, well, how can I be grateful for, you know, I fall down the stairs and I break my ankle, or I pick up the phone and I hear that my, you know, my best friend has just been killed in an automobile accident, or whatever it might be. How, how can I be grateful for the terrible events of life and for the, and for the deep challenges of life? And the only way we could find a place of gratitude is to understand what causes things to occur the way they are occurring, to see that all of life is a platform co-created by the lot of us, co-created by every human being in a collaborative process far more sophisticated than most of us would imagine, and that the events of our planet, of our life, and of our individual experience are all co-created. That is, nobody creates anything in and of by themselves. Nobody creates anything unilaterally. Even the smallest individual event is co-created by more than one person. So when we understand that what we are doing as souls is we are collaboratively creating a platform upon which we could announce and declare, express and fulfill, become and experience the next grandest version of the greatest vision ever we held about who we are. Or to put it in simple language, when we see that the tough moments of life are being given to us really as a gift, an opportunity for us to embrace our highest notion of who we are and demonstrate it through our response to that so-called negative experience. All of the world's great spiritual masters, I don't care who you want to name, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, Mother Mary, you know, Mother Teresa, yes. male and female alike, all the great spiritual masters have done exactly that. They, they've taken uh, you know, a sow's ear and turned it into a silk purse, so to speak. They've made lemonade out of lemons because they've understood that all that's coming at them is giving them an opportunity to express all that is coming through them, thus to demonstrate at the next highest level who they really are. So, so masters use gratitude as a means of transforming their response to the exterior event. Now, here's where it, where it gets interesting, Caroline. When we change our interior holding of what's happening in the exterior world, the interior holding causes us to project energy that's so positive, it actually changes or it can change what's happening in our exterior world. And, 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 and then we, that's how we create miracles. Yes. That's how people who, see, who have been told by the doctors they're dying wind up not dying. Yes. And, and other miracles are, are changed the same way. Miracles are not changed by complaining about the negative outcomes of life, but by, in fact, seeing them in a different way. So true. Seeing them as an opportunity for God to work her magic uh, in and through our life. So that's the second powerful tool that I invite people. I, I, write, I write much more about this in the book, The Only Thing That Matters. But uh, that's the second a powerful tool that I give people. Get rid of negative thinking and use uh, gratitude as a powerful, uh, powerful device, powerful yes. tool. So, so, so true. Yes, I, I actually started keeping a gratitude journal, mm -hmm. oh, I think in 2010. And I just, you know, I wake up, the first thing out of my mouth is thank you every morning. And I, I just list, I write it in my, pick up my journal and write. And I did a lot of that this, this morning. I was just, it's a beautiful day here in uh, the Poconos. I live in the Poconos and I love it here. And I just, I focus on everything I'm grateful for in every now moment. I truly mm -hmm. do. And when we, when we announce our gratitude for even the so-called not-so-good things in life, yes. that's when we know that we've reached a level of mastery. Yes. That we, that we have found a way to embrace all of life 
Yes. Exactly as it is and call all of it a blessing. Yes, 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 yes. So true. Every challenge I, I look upon as a blessing. I say a blessing in disguise. When, when I understood oneness, I also understood the peace that surpasses all understanding. That, that's the first that, time I understood that, yes. There, there you are. That year yes. I spent on the street was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yes, yes. And people, people hear me describe it and they think of, oh, what a nightmare. Actually, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yes. And I'm so grateful that I reached literally rock bottom and had nothing but one pair of shoes, two shirts, three, you know, two jeans, three, three shirts, that's it. Yes. And, and, and uh, asking for people for a quarter or a dime on the street, the greatest thing that ever happened to me. So now, yes. knowing that, my life has taught me that. Now that I know that, I can be grateful ahead of time. You know what we yes. do at my, at my uh, table at Thanksgiving? On Thanksgiving at my table, we don't go around the table and talk about what we're grateful for that happened to us in this past year. We talk about each person announces what they're grateful for that's going to happen in the next year. Oh, wow. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yes. Yes, well, true. Grateful for ahead of time. Yes. Watch it happen. Yes. Yes, that's so true. Because I also understand that everything is happening in the now. So our, our vision for the future is also here. It's all about raising our vibration so we can experience it. So being thankful for it ahead of time is how we bring it to us. We, we raise our vibration to meet it. Yes, yes, so true, wow. Well, yes. A third tool I wanna to give people is this. Forgive no one for anything. Never forgive anybody for anything. I think I, I know where you're going with this, but go ahead. <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to take forgiveness off of the table. It's not part of your tool anymore of being a nice person. Because as soon as you think you have to forgive somebody for something, you must entertain the thought that somehow you have been hurt, damaged, or upset, or destroyed in some way, or injured in some way. But if you really are that which God is, that notion that you've been hurt, damaged, injured in some way could not occur to you. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. God doesn't forgive us for anything. God will never forgive us for anything because God has no need to forgive us for anything because we can't hurt, frustrate, anger, or injure God in any way. What is God's response to our actions? Simple understanding. And I'll give you a one, one more example of that uh, in, in my life. If you're uh, sitting at your, at your uh, table and you're having a birthday party for the grandchildren and the uh, three-year-old reaches for the chocolate cake and knocks over everybody's milk and one glass knocks over the next glass, knocks over the next glass, and pretty soon the entire table is a mess. You don't say to that child, I forgive you. Go to your room, you'll stay there for the rest of the week. But I forgive you. Grandpa forgives you. We don't forgive children because we understand how a three-year-old could possibly do such a thing. Yes. And when the child experiences being understood, understanding replaces forgiveness in such a huge loving way that the love that the child experiences from us is truly experienced unconditionally. So God said to me in conversations with God, Neil, understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. So even though you have to forgive me for going over our hour. That's so old. No, definitely not. No, 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 no. Matter of fact, I wrote, um, and, and when I started the show, one of the first blogs I ever wrote was titled, No, for, no Apologies Ever Needed. That was, that's why I said I, I, I feel like I know where you're going with this. But mm -hmm. no, no Apologies Ever Needed was uh, the title of a blog I wrote many, about two years ago. And so, yes. But you have to forgive yourself as well. Understand why you did the things that you did. Nobody does anything deliberately to be mean or cruel. We make mistakes. But everyone who ever did anything, at the time they did it, thought it was for whatever motivation they had, the best they could do. Everyone, exactly. is, doing, everyone is doing the best they can at, at any possible moment. Or as my lovely Maya Angelou, who's just one of the lights of my life, just love reading her work. She put it, I thought, beautifully. She said, 
when we know better, we do better. Yes. So true. So true. So, so, so true. This is, this has been so amazing. This, oh, you could go over a hundred times with the hour. I don't, yeah, this is, it's just amazing. This conversation, conversation with Neil is so great because this is a conversation that we want to share with the world. And like you said, with the technology we have, we have the technology to share it with the world. And I'm so thankful. I am so, so thankful. I'm grateful to you for giving me the opportunity to reach even more people. Yes. The wonderful uh, platform that you've created and, and to be uh, alongside of a wonderful person like you. You're just a glorious, sweet, gentle, caring, funny, humorous, delightful human being. What oh, a nice, thank you. What a nice addition to my life, our friendship is. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I know one of these days I am going to get to the West Coast. Only time I've ever been to the West Coast, uh, Reverend Michael invited me to L.A. That's where I got the T-shirt. Um, but I am going to get to the West Coast, the, the Northwest, and give you a big hug. Thank very, you. very soon. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Neil. This has been amazing. This has been wonderful. Thank you. You have a wonderful holiday weekend easter weekend we're pre-recording if this will actually air next friday but uh, you have a wonderful easter weekend thank you so so much i appreciate this mm. i want to i just wish i could reach you and give you a big hug through this through the computer <laughs> move back to you as well and i hope all the people who are watching this got something out of it and if they'd like to connect with me they can yes please share you can just go to CWG, which stands for Conversations with God, cwgconnect.com. My website is cwgconnect.com. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And there will be a link on the, the below the video will be a link to your website. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you, Neil. Thank you. Bye for now. Okay, bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.